don't even need a practice. Professional. I don't know about that. All I said was, "You ready to get started?" No, no, no. I just mean they have their own podcast. They do lives all the time. They're professional. I know. I know. I've never been on their podcast, but I know they have one. So it's me neither. Apparently, it's only for those that are married to them. I don't know. It's all. Yeah. It's it's only two people podcast. Maya, Maya, maybe every once in a while barks in the background. If she can make a guest appearance, I think Ray can too. That's true. That's true. Um, and it's it's a, a pell, correct? It's apple. It's just apple. apple. Just apple. like the fruit. Yeah, yeah it's spelled okay. funny, but yeah, it's just apple. It's Got a perfect it. teacher name, right? <laughs> yeah. So we're at episode eight, Ray, right? Yeah. Yes. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to the Teachers Deserve It podcast, episode eight. That means that we've been doing this podcast for two months, which is, uh, it's always fun to look at those historical markers. So many people look to the future, which I think is important. It's also important to look back, Ray, to see kind of all that you've already done and accomplished. I don't think people do that enough and celebrate. So Ray Hewitt, we are going to celebrate eight episodes right now, two months of time. Congratulations, my friend. It's been so fun podcasting with you and talking about rabbits and about so many different things. If you don't know what we're talking about, you got to go listen to episodes seven and six and five and four and three and two and one and also episode zero, which kicked off the Teachers Deserve It podcast where Ray and I tell just some funny stories about us connecting and starting this whole adventure of Teachers Deserve It. And today we have two, not one, but two awesome guests Hans and Jennifer, Jennifer Apple, uh, husband and wife team from the great state of Washington, Washington State, not DC, but uh, the eastern side of Washington. So welcome to the show. Introduce us. Uh, tell us about yourself. Thanks for having us. We're excited to be here. Um, yeah, I'm Hans Apple. I'm counselor at Enterprise Middle School. Middle school is where my heart is. I love those kids. They're, they're crazy and fun all at the same time. Um, and then I'm also the director of culture for the Teach Better team and the author of award-winning culture and uh, super excited to be here talking to you guys this morning. Yay. Um, and I'm Jennifer Apple and work at the same school. Um, this year I'm actually the tech coach, which has been an adventure with all of this happening. <laughs> so it's been an interesting job. Um, but yeah, I've taught middle school for I think this is my 22nd year I figured out. Um, so a long time. And I'm the, what am I? The chief heart officer for the Teach Better team. Sorry, I got, got confused there for a second. <laughs> chief heart officer for the Teach Better team. <laughs> yeah, titles don't really matter. I just love that you're both like, so you're really just like the positivity tribe, right? Yeah. The teach better team. <laughs> yeah. Always sharing the love. Culture, positivity, are. yeah. I think you got a cooler title though. Yeah, I got a pretty cool. Yeah, I've got a pretty cool title. And I'm an author. I wrote a book called Award Winning Dog, and it's a little picture book for like, you know, about second grade. K3 is really what the book is meant for. And then I have another adult book coming out soon. I don't know when, but sometime. We're we're doing the finishing touches. So sometime it'll come out. That's exciting. I love it. Jen and Hans, I'm so glad you're here for episode eight. I didn't realize we were celebrating two months, but I feel like we all are in this massive celebration. Glad to actually have two guests on the podcast uh, today for this big celebration. I'll take it. 
Um, I love that you all uh, introduced yourself. I think there's some similarities. I know you have different roles in the, the school that you're in, but you know, you're both so passionate about SEL, whole child. I'm so excited to dive into all of that. Um, I think it's been a blessing, Adam. Every episode we've done uh, has had an educator on who's been able to share a story about their passion in education and every single educator has kind of carried a different passion with them, which was the, the benefit of being able to highlight 22 educators in the Teachers Deserve It book. We really were able to not only, you know, get a diverse, you know, lineup of 22 educators, but who knew that everybody would have their own little niche. And if we all kind of came together, those passions would, would build quite the support system for students, don't you think? Awesome. Oh my gosh. Yeah, no, so much. It's a, uh... It is interesting how things how things come together. I have a question, uh, Jennifer, for you right off the bat. You talked about your dogs. Uh, you have a dog on your t-shirt right now. And um, I've been in so many schools in the last few years that have had therapy dogs. And I've talked to so many principals that have wanted not just therapy dogs, but therapy animals. And I think it is something that is so important. I've, I've read so many articles and seen so many videos about this. I mean, this is just like off topic, but it's, it's on topic. What are your thoughts and how, how do schools go about getting the funding or just the research behind it and, and the need um, for kids and, and for adults to have some kind of therapy animal in their, in their school? Yeah, and that's a really good question. Um, Maya, who is on my t-shirt, she's the star of my book, Award-Winning Dog. Um, and in the book, she goes into schools and she goes into like hospitals and things like that. And Maya is actually um, a trained service dog, um, not a therapy dog, but she's a trained service dog. So she can go into places and things like that with me. Um, but I think therapy dogs are so important in our schools because um, Michelle Borba talks about anxiety and so she always says, as anxiety goes up, empathy goes down. Um, and so in our schools, we have so much anxiety with kids and teachers and staff and everything else. And dogs, like there's all of this research on how dogs reduce anxiety in students. And so for us, like SEL is huge. And so if you can have therapy dogs come in and you have kids reducing their anxiety, you can get so much farther. You can actually show them what empathy is and teach them those skills because their anxiety isn't as high. And there are a lot of organizations around where we live. Um, one of the dogs that Maya is actually, Maya has an Instagram account and she's like really good friends with this one dog named Tiba. She's the cutest little golden retriever. And she actually goes into our schools. And so she goes to elementary schools and she's like, she's in the yearbook every year. Like she's part of the family at the school. And she goes in and reads with the kids. She sits with them. and there's pictures of kids just like laying on her. Like she's the sweetest dog and they just, they read her stories. Like they do all these cool things with these dogs and they're so comfortable. Like if you mess up when you're reading, dog doesn't care. They're just happy you're reading to them. You know, like you're reading a book to them. They're so relaxed. And so kids just get that, like that feeling of like just this rewarding feeling of being with this dog and being able to be themselves. And for our community, it's all volunteer. Mm -hmm. So they actually, um, the Tiba's mom is actually like a retired teacher. And so she goes into the schools with her. And so there's a lot of, most of the, the service dogs and the volunteers, like the therapy dogs, they're all volunteers. And so they just volunteer their time to actually go into the schools and work with students, which is really a pretty cool thing. 
Well, I'll piggyback on that too. As a counselor, one of the things I'm on a crisis team. And so if, if the student dies or if there's a tragedy in you know, the district or even a neighboring district, we go out and support the school. And one of the things that started happening, I think two years ago is the dog started actually going out and being there as well. So you can imagine as these kids are like, you know, dealing with some huge tragedy or trauma that they've just experienced, maybe losing a classmate or something like that. You just have four or five dogs roaming around the library area, just, you know, greeting kids. It's just amazing. You feel better when you see the dog, you know, you're like something tragic happened, but then you see this dog and it kind of, yeah, I mean, it just relaxes (laughs) you. It does. Well, I was going to say, I I know you guys are huge animal lovers, but just to clarify for our listeners that maybe haven't read your children's book, they need to go out and grab it. Uh, It's beautiful illustrations, but Maya, who is the star of your book, like you said, is actually your dog. Like you have the real life Maya. uh, And I know she has a bunch of different friends that make an appearance in that, in that children's book, but I really have loved following a journey where you guys have had a dog you've been able to do so many beautiful things and fun things with your own dog and then to create a children's book now students can not only read the children's book that has so many underlying beautiful morals that create great discussions in the classroom but you can like quote unquote follow the author on instagram you can connect with the maya you know and i know that she's become her own celebrity so it's probably really hard in your household having you know such a diva in the house but i'm sure it's worth it yeah she 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 either sleeps walks or eats like that's her instagram like if you want to watch a dog do one of those three things like that's what she does she does it in style she does it in style i mean she's really good at it but i mean i'm just saying I love it. I have not been able to work in a building yet uh, myself who's had a, a dog, but even just those teachers that take on animals or classroom pets, it just adds a different family element to the classroom. I think that's so wonderful. See, we've had a hard time with the pets. We used to be able to have pets in our schools and now all this area, we're not able to do the pet thing anymore. So they let us do the therapy dog, but not like the snake or the rat or whatever the random thing is. So yeah, it's kind of funny. They're not, they're not big snake fans over Apparently in Washington. Apparently not. <laughs> well, well, we, this is the thing though, is we actually get, cause we live in a desert. And so we actually That's have true. snakes in our building quite often. So, and then we have a mouse problem and then we're like, well, but we have a snake problem. So it'll take care of itself kind of, you know? There you go. This is the circle yeah. of life here on Teach Better Talk episode <laughs> eight. There we go. Um, go ahead, Adam. I see that you're jumping in with a question. Well, I was just rereading uh, before the episode what you both um, wrote and contributed to our book, Teachers Deserve It. And I wanted to kind of go over just the last line of your contribution because I think it lends itself to what we've already talked about a little bit. And I think what a lot of people are thinking about and talking about and going through right now with so much just happening in our world and especially in education. Our why is to help students and staff forever shatter the ceiling on culture and climate by magnifying the lens to real sustainable joy. And I know in some other episodes, Ray and I have had some great conversations with educators on focusing on one or two or three things and not focusing on 15 things because so many, so many organizations and groups that I've worked with over the years just try to do too many things and I don't think I know culture and climate right now is so important because most schools and districts are, are not together and it is not how it has always been. And I would say for that matter, a lot of people that I talk to have been saying, gosh, when, when things are back to normal, 
And I've been saying, you know, we don't even know what normal is going to look like whenever we get back to something that replicates what we used to deal with. So if you had to pick one or two or three or five things to really focus on or talk about when it comes to culture and climate, right now with what we are dealing with, what, what would you recommend to people that are listening that they could focus on, no matter what job they are, kindergarten teacher, all the way to a superintendent, to somebody that's on a school board and they're making decisions that are impacting everyone in the community, what would you both say? I'll speak first. I that word joy that you read there, I think that's kind of the huge word of that sentence, isn't it? And, and when I think about joy, I'm not thinking about happiness, that temporary feeling of eating pizza and feeling great about it. I'm thinking about something that's really deep, right? That's purpose driven. And so I, I think that's, you know, when I think about COVID and all the things that are happening in the world right now, that's what stands out to me is like, are we preparing students for the next test or the next grade level, right? Or a future career, or are we preparing students for life. And I think that's what we're trying to do every single day. What would you say? Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree with that. And I think some of the things that, you know, watching teachers where, where we live, we're still virtual. We haven't gone to hybrid or anything else like that. And so, you know, I think across the country, everybody's at different levels, you know? Some people are full back, some people are hybrid, you know, just depends this year is just kind of, everybody's in a different place. Um, and so I think the place to start is I, I love your book teachers deserve it because I'm totally a person that like, yes, teachers deserve to be able to do this. Like, this is something like we're professionals. We know how to do this. And so I really think about to bring that joy is what is best for your students right now? Like, don't worry about what the district says. Don't worry about where your school is. At. Like, don't worry about those things. You know, what's best for those 30 students you have in front of you right now, or those 15 students or those, whoever it is, like what is the best thing you can do for them? And how are you gonna bring them joy right now? Because life is stressful. <laughs> We're all kind of in this state of like this anxiety, this stress. And so what can you do right now for those 30 faces in front of you? Like what can make their world better for that 20 minutes they see you, that hour they see you, that you know six hours, it depends on where you're at but however long they see you, how can you make that just an awesome experience for them and focus on what you know about education, what you know about your kids and what is best for them. That's all that matters right now. And I think like not worrying about outside forces, <laughs> you know, as teachers, we have a lot of outside forces and like, no, you trust yourself. Like you are the one that's in charge of your classroom. You're the one that's in charge of those students. You know, what's best for them like do what's best for them and bring that like joy and fun into it as much as you can over a screen or wherever you're at. Right. And I'll piggyback on that. I think, I think one thing that we can do specifically is speak to our students about what they really need, because I don't think that's happening enough. I see, you know, all of these amazing plans, you know, being thrown out by district leaders and politicians and um, all kinds of folks that are experts. Right. But really the expert of a child's learning is the child. And so going back and really saying, what do you need right now? How can I support you as this, you know, teacher that's, you know, your math teacher that sees you, you know, once or twice a week, maybe over Zoom. Um, what do you need from me to grow, uh, you know, in fractions or, or what do you need to survive whatever's happening outside of school right now for you? So I think that's one specific thing that teachers can definitely be doing. 
No, I really love how you guys have, have taken that perspective because, you know, Jen and Hans, you both in your answers kind of alluded to the fact that, you know, teachers really do know how to get this data from students, how to chew on the idea, and then what decisions would best serve our students. And um, I've been in numerous discussions, this has kind of been my soapbox, I think, since August, is people have been saying, oh, it's like we're first year teachers again. And my, my counter to that is no, when you're a first year teacher, you're walking in and you might feel lost, but you also are carrying an empty toolbox. And no educator right now is carrying an empty toolbox if you have been in education for one day, right? Like every single day, you're, you're finding new ways to reach students, you're finding new ways. You've been collecting this information on how to support your, your students in your classroom for years and years and years. So while it might feel different now, you do know best. You know how to talk to your children and how to uh, ask questions that is gonna get you the data to best design lessons and best design relationship building activities. Uh, and one of the things I love that I, I want to throw back to you guys is the idea of intentionality. You know, Hans, one of the, the first things as I was working with you early on was your consistent use of intentionality. I was like, why is that word like so wonderful um, when we're thinking about relationship building and everything else? And being intentional with, with meeting our students' needs is so different than just wanting to do it. Can you speak to that a little bit? Well, yeah, I think, um, you know, one of the things that we're trying to do at our school is um, do daily check-ins with kids and, and, and then follow up with now what, you know, we've gotten this information kind of like you were talking about, Ray, and now what do we do with that, right? So does that inform our lesson planning? Does that inform, you know, counselor support, you know, principal support? Does that inform, you know, how do we wrap the parents and community back in to support this kid? So I think, you know, just, just having that daily intentional time that we set aside to go, how are you doing? You know, how are, how are you managing? How are you surviving? And treating each kid like human being, right? Not just a data point. Yeah, I was thinking, Ray, when you were talking about the, everyone's a new teacher this year, I think about cooking and people, there's an analogy here. Just give me a second, everyone. People that have never been cooks don't know how to just open up a cupboard or go into somewhere and go, oh, I got this, I got that, I got this, and I can make dinner for somebody. And you, you're not going to want to do that forever, possibly, but it'll get, it'll get you through at least until you can get some more resources and you can uh, feel more comfortable. And, you know, Jennifer, when you were saying about just do it, you know what's right, Here's where I'm thinking. Now, I've been a principal. I was a principal for six years. Some teachers are going to say, well, I need to get permission. What if I just can't? I have these standards and these benchmarks that I need to reach. And in California, where I live, we've been virtual as well, too. And I think probably we're going to be virtual for the entire school year. Nobody knows. Who knows? Just plan on uh, being flexible. And I would say you're not breaking the rules. In Teachers Deserve It, we talk about questioning the rules and I would say also let's let's bend the rules when you know what is best for your students and you do that for maybe eight minutes or 15 minutes we're not talking about the entire school day when you start looking for those little moments 
of, you know what, we're gonna end this lesson five minutes early and we're gonna breathe or meditate as a class or go get your own pet, your dog or your snake or whatever you have at home. And if you don't have a pet, go get a lovey or a stuffy or you're a high school student, go get something that makes you feel comfortable and we're gonna share and we're gonna talk about it. You're gonna find those small moments to work into those bigger moments, I think. I think so many people think big and they try to act big. And I always like to think big and act small. You can do a lot in five minutes or you can do a lot in three minutes. And just like cooking, the more that you keep uh, cookbooks and recipes and you try things, it's gonna be easier to just grab whatever you have in the cupboard or the refrigerator and to make dinner for yourself or maybe for neighbors that come over in, in the backyard. So I think that thinking big and acting small is is important and something to think about. Um, well, and I think the other part of it is because I I'm a language arts teacher. Like I totally like my whole life is standards. Like I there's so many concepts I have to teach in language arts, so I totally get it. Um, but I think I can also like you know when when we're reading a um, book or something like that. You know we're reading a class novel or doing something like that. I can incorporate all of those things into that. You know, like everything can be incorporated in there. So I'm still teaching the curriculum. I'm still meeting the standards, but I'm also doing what's best for my kids at the same time. Like <laughs> it's a skill. It's like you said, like cooking, like, you know, I, I'm a pretty good cook, so I don't use recipes. I haven't used recipes in years. Right. And so I can go in my kitchen and I can just grab all this stuff and I make something really good. Like, it's just how it is. Cause I've been cooking a long time. And so it's the same with teaching. Like I can take all of these standards. I know what they are. Like I've, you know, I've taught sixth grade language arts for years. So I know exactly what the standards are and I can take all this stuff and I go, okay, well, this is what the district's doing. This is what the school's doing. These are my standards. I can do all of that and mix it in and also teach SEL at the same, like I can do all of these things because like Ray said too, I'm not a first year teacher. So like, you know, I've been doing this a long time. And so I can kind of like, incorporate those things. And so I think that's what I don't want people to think like, oh, go out and do your own thing and, you know, stay away from the standards or whatever. Still do that, but then also incorporate these other things with it. You can do all of it at the same time. You know, that that's why teachers are so good is we yeah. can multitask. We can do 50 things at one time. That's, you know, what makes us great. Just like a good cook. I picture myself in the kitchen cooking. I'm moderating a Twitter chat. My kids are in the backyard. I'm trying to make sure that nobody's climbing trees and they're hurting themselves. My dog's coming through the kitchen because he wants to eat. Y'all know what I'm talking about. All right, so I, I love hearing what people are reading. I'm a voracious reader. I order so many books. Hans and Jennifer, if you could recommend just one book, doesn't have to be an education book, to people, yes, Jennifer, just one book. I saw the eye roll. Uh, what is one, okay, eye roll. In my house, my kids were getting so bad with eye rolls. I have a seven-year-old and a nine-year-old. I make, now we have a rule. If you eye roll, wherever we are, you have to drop down and give me 25 burpees. Jennifer, I'm not gonna make you give me burpees right now. What is one book, Hans and Jennifer, that you would recommend to just people in general that you like to read? Mine's easy. Uh, I just, well, actually we both read it, but um, Infinite Game with Simon Sinek oh, okay. is phenomenal. Um, he, I don't know if you want a synopsis, but he basically, <laughs> he basically takes, um, you know, all the different things in life, right? Business, politics, education, and really does a great job explaining how these are all things that 
are not finite where there's a winner and a loser and an end and, and clear players and things like that, as opposed to a chess game or a football game or whatever else. Um, he really talks about how education, we need to play the long game. And I think right now with, you know, what's going on in, in the world, um, there's a lot of people that feel like, hey, we didn't get through all the standards we wanted to last spring. We're feeling like the crunch of, man, we got to hit this mark before the end of the quarter or before, you know, I send my kids off to the next teacher. And the reality is learning doesn't work that way. It's just a continuum. It, you know, kids will continue to learn throughout. So I love that book, uh, Infinite Games. Okay, that's a good one. Um, I'm going to go... <laughs> I'm going to go with a middle school book instead. I'm going to kind of veer off here a little bit. Um, Jewel Parker Rhodes, who I love. She's an amazing author. Um, and one of the books she wrote is called Ghost Boys. Mm. Um, and I don't know if you guys have read it, but it's, it's really good. Um, it's about a boy who was shot by the cops, basically. Um, and it was a white cop and he was African-American. And it's, it's just the story of like him as a ghost, like coming back and talking to like the cop's daughter and, Anyways, it's this amazing story, and especially right now, it's pertinent for times. Um, and my middle schoolers read it, and they, you know, they were like, oh my gosh, this was like the most well-written book I've ever read. I mean, they just, they loved her and her writing. Um, and she just did a, such a good job. Like, her perspective um, was really remarkable, and it was really good for middle schoolers to really, like, start that discussion, you know? So it was good. Okay, that was cool too. And I have to jump in here because we actually do a student-led uh, leadership podcast and our kids got to interview her. Yeah. So after reading the book and falling in love with this author, then all of a sudden they got to like And talk she to was her. like the that nicest person you've ever yeah. met in your life. Like she was so just, yeah, she was really awesome. The kids loved him. I love that. That's so cool. No, I used to listen to that podcast. That's, I love that your students like had their own podcast where they got to take, again, back to what we have talked about in multiple episodes, Adam, taking control of your learning and you know reaching further I, I think that's so wonderful so guys we always end our episodes with a soapbox moment and i think it's challenging we got two of you on here i'm gonna see i'm interested will you have the same soapbox moment and jump back and forth i mean i know that you guys are 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 really passionate about the same topics but here we go so if you had to leave a call to action to our listeners um a passion something that you're really that you really care about, that you want our listeners to do something with, what would be your soapbox moment? Woo! So I would say um, we need to find ways to empower uh, our students. That, that is so huge right now for me. Finding way, you know, we talk a lot about student voice and choice in the classroom, but my whole world is like that big picture school culture outside of just the classroom. And so I, one of the things that we started doing is we started bringing students into um, like book studies that we're doing with teachers, like being a part of interviews, like, you know, when you're bringing in new staff, um, just all of those little elements that, you know, we can give them a voice to impact the entire school. So that's one thing that's huge for me right now. Um, gosh, there's so many things that... <laughs> <laughs> There's so many things that I think we should do, but my big thing is um, fun. Like we talk about joy, um, but I think bringing that like fun back into the classroom and, and I think a big thing is, is that like I've taught middle school for 21 of the 22 years. Um, and I know my kids would always like when they do something like a middle schooler would do, like a 13 year old would do. And I'd start laughing 
And the kids are like, um, you're not going to yell at us. And I'm like, no, you're 13. Like, how would I not expect you to do that? Like, yeah, you're 13. Like, this is what you're going to do. Like, and now just don't make that mistake again. But I think that sometimes like we have to have fun with our students. And I think that we just need to like, remember that they're kids, no matter what age they are, you know, from five to like 18, like, and they're going to be kids. And like, we just need to laugh and have fun with them instead of creating it into like a problem or something else. Like they're going to be 13. Sometimes they're going to be five. Sometimes like this is what happens. And so I think just being able to let kids have fun and be themselves sometimes is the best thing for everyone. Well, I couldn't agree more with the fun. I think we all need fun. And I would say we need more fun and more joy in our life right now. And those can be small things. They can be big things. But try to find, you know, maybe it's uh, making dinner with a friend or a partner. Uh, find joy in not following a recipe. Open up your fridge. Open up your cupboards. And just see whatever you have in there. Maybe that's making Ray a little nervous. I think you can do it, my friend. I'm telling you guys, I have many skills, running and cooking. We've hit on the two ah. that I'm not so good at. <laughs> I'm really good at boiling water. I'm a master at it. Oh, and I made a frozen pizza last night. Does that count? No, it does not count. You remind me of my roommate in college. I come into the kitchen and he's on the phone with his mom. And I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm trying to make spaghetti. I'm like, bro, water, boil, noodles, sauce, eat. You can do it. That I can do. Ray deserves some cooking lessons. Hans, Jennifer, we so appreciate you joining us on the Teachers Deserve It podcast. We just really want to continue creating a space to amplify educator voices and allow every educator to share their story, passions, and message so we can get one step closer toward achieving all that we deserve. How can people stay connected to you after listening to this podcast? Our website is awardwinningculture.com. Um, and then Twitter and Instagram for me is Hans and Apple. And you spell Apple weird. It's A-P-P-E-L. And my Twitter and Instagram are both Jennifer M. Apple. So they're pretty similar to each other. And then our email is awardwinningculture at gmail.com. You can always email us too if you have questions. Awesome. Yeah, basically, you both are like all over the internet. So Google them, follow them on social media, connect, ask them questions, get resources. And remember, if you are listening, we always appreciate you choosing to subscribe to the Teachers Deserve It podcast. Stay up to date on every episode as we drop. Even a two-minute rating and review really helps us to reach more listeners. And if you're up for a little TDI challenge, find one of your colleagues you think may benefit from hearing the, uh, the challenge from Jennifer and Hans and uh, share with them because you know what? Teachers deserve it. Yay. <laughs>